Hi everyone, welcome back. Today is session seven of Reality Transurfing. And again, we have another really full episode ahead, diving in through these principles and the rich, rich material. I hope that the last couple of weeks have been really fruitful for you. I just marvel at how differently I am thinking these days. And that's so exciting to me because I've been a seeker all of my life and I've never had a perspective, even, you know, being so trained in the C.G. Jungian perspective, which is near and dear to me, but I've never had a perspective shift that A, helps so much in the nitty gritty of dailiness, of of the daily experiences we have in the external space. I've never had something be so immediately helpful there when there are challenges. And I've never had something so quickly shift my thinking. That would be, of course, apart from the psychedelic experience I shared in the podcast called Reality, which again is the most listened to podcast that I have, which is so cool. But having said that, you know, just something that we can daily on the regular incorporate and allow to reveal itself and ourselves to us. I've never had anything this potent. I hope you are also experiencing that. And I have to say, you know, I've been sitting with this material since about mid-fall and started teaching it with you all in December. But I've just, it's been such a radical pivot for me and it's helping me so much. And I feel it gathering. I feel it more and more becoming my default. And that feels really good. And anytime I run across it online or if somebody's posted a YouTube about it or whatever article here or there, it's not that common yet in the U.S. But when I see people talking about it or run across it, they're having the exact same experience. Like, this is radical. This is helpful. This is boots on the ground. Awesome. (laughs) This helps us in the nitty gritty. And... And it's just opening up my perspective and my perception in in ways that I hope you are experiencing too. I can't imagine that you're not because this just does its own work. And I just wanted to, to uh, reference something really important that's been in my consciousness the past probably two months. And I think it came from Wayne Dyer a long time ago, but I can't actually quite remember, but there was a quote a long time ago that that I ran across, and it meant something to me at the time, but now with the transurfing discipline, it really, really means something to me. And that is, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the direct quote, but something to the effect of one of the most essential decisions that you will ever make is how you view the universe. If it is loving and generous and supportive of you or hostile and indifferent. 
And that's really been at the top of my awareness in the last couple months, particularly with the Transurfing Disciplines, because as we lean into that beautiful space of the unknown, which I am learning to love just for itself, even though, of course, I, I want to experience in the external space the joys and the fruits of that labor. Yes, I'm, I'm not going to say that I don't, but I do love it for itself. And that is a phrase from the poet David White in one of his poems. And I'm sure others have said it. And it's important to remember that because we are actually encountering ourselves And so just the beingness and the joy of that communion is the most important and central thing. But this idea of, as we lean into that, not being clouded by any old baggage, any old religious upbringing, any old paradigms or messages from the external world in any way, shape, or form, that the unknown, the universe, God, goddess, the divine, the quantum, the variant space, pick your term, is anything other than love and essence and authenticity and generosity itself. I think that's so essential to even if there's a little bit of doubt that wants to cling regarding that idea to to allow yourself to relax into that, that there is not an indifference or a hostility toward you, toward me, that we are not alone. We are this incredible connection of oneness in the absolute sense, but we are not alone. And... You know, that's, again, we're deep in paradox here because it's hard to <laughs> to talk about the oneness and not being alone. And, uh, you know, I know it gets all weird, but allowing that which you're seeking to also seek you and to find you. That's really starting to gather in my awareness and it, it can feel really tender and really emotional. Sometimes, like I feel myself tearing up right now just saying that because I'll have these moments where, you know, I kind of think a certain meeting is going to go one way or the other, and it'll go in a completely different direction, in a direction that maybe I would have resisted even two months ago or put some drama into at least in my processing of it. I don't do a lot of drama externally, but we create all these little dramas for ourselves with our resistance. But um, I'm catching that, of course, just like you are, I know, in, in a really powerful way, so much faster than I used to because of these disciplines. But What I'm discovering is, yes, I I click into my process, I click into my transurfing discipline, and in a really rapid amount of time, I see that something else was leading me in a beautiful way and in, in such a more generous and loving 
an expansive shift in terms of my clarity about myself. And I'm just like gobsmacked and and humbled by that again and again. And that feels so good because that feels like this is how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to feel when we're in this earth experience as though we have the most beautiful power and joy accompanying everything about our experience and to know that it is right there, to know that is really us. And I can't imagine any greater gift to the world than coming into that revelation. Um, So I just wanted to open with those thoughts. And seasonally, it's kind of cool that, you know, I hadn't really intended to start transurfing in December, but it's kind of cool because as this discipline gathers, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, oh, right, when I said that this little cardinal just hopped up on a branch right outside my podcast window here, so cool, this um, tree right in front of my window is starting to leaf out. So here's this little cardinal here for our session together. Um, anyway, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere You may not be experiencing spring yet, but we're starting to get a taste of it here in North Carolina. And it feels really cool because I feel like the blossoming of the fruit of this labor is in sync with the season. And I've always tried to live seasonally, but it seems like for a lot of my life, (laughs) it might have been spring outside and I was going into winter (laughs) or or vice versa. Um, and it, suddenly I feel like I'm I'm in sync with the actual external world right now. And that feels joyful in its own way. So how are you doing? How are you doing with the homework? Last time we talked about my world takes care of me. Were you able to rest in that a bit? Were you aware of forks in the road, particularly of labeling experiences or thought patterns? And were you able to choose the positive, the positive pivot, the positive pivot? I was really conscious of that. I think I told you I put this on my bathroom mirror. And yes, my self-talk and these positive pivots have really been in my mind. And were you able to try out that sort of hack, if you will, about trusting love. Again, love in terms of authenticity, not in terms of Aphrodite's spell, but love in terms of the divine reality, the divine revelation of ourselves coming through seemingly impossible people, seemingly impossible situations. So you're not quote unquote, trusting the form, you're trusting what is real to flow through the form. How did that go for you? To me, that's a really big one. Because then when I reframe a moment in that way, I feel like my mind and my heart are in alignment again because your mind is often screaming at you. Don't trust this situation. Don't trust this person. You know, you remember last September, all the rest of it. 
And when we say yes, I know we're not trusting forms. We're trusting what's going to come through that form and change that form according to its larger perspective. That quiets my mind, at least. And my heart sort of leaps up and says, yeah, here's the sweet spot. And lastly, did you find some music to accompany you that could be your theme song, that could be your way of getting home sooner if you've sort of lost the plot because it's so easy to become seduced by the external stage that we're on. I think often, you know, we've used that metaphor many times about being the director, not the actors on the stage. And I want to just add to that a little bit. You're not only the director, you like get to go home at night after, you know, watching characters on the stage and and seeing people and roles and scenery and plots and dramas and all the rest of it. And But you are not only the director, you get to go home at night and you're, the place you go home is the dream that you've released into the variant space. The dream you are increasingly living from, that is your reality. And maybe in that space you have a beautiful home in a space that is a place you've always wanted to live in. Your home is beautiful and delightful and comfortable. You have resources to do work you love and travel if that's important to you or spend time in the ways that you most enjoy it. You have wonderful people and relationships in your life to the extent that those are important to you. That could be lots of friends or just a few close ones or a partner or connection with your children or grandchildren, whatever is right for you. That's what you go home to. And we see that the trouble comes when we think we're the characters on the stage. And identities, you know, we've often spoken about anything that's helpful. When it begins to harden into an identity, then it becomes toxic to us. Even if it's a quote-unquote positive role, like maybe you're really into fitness or Maybe you are, you know, a certified life coach that helps a lot of people. Great. All of that's great as long as you remember who you really are. And it's really seductive for those roles to become our identity. So, again, just layering in helpful pinpoints along the way. I know this to be true, too that each of us is going to have our own way through this material, our own way through our revelation of ourselves. And although a lot of these principles will be harmonious among all of us, you know, the way pendulums are working, the way we can wake up in the dream, that sort of thing, that's going to be pretty across the board, you know, uh, consistent. But I also know that each awakening, each revelation of self is going to have its slightly own shape and contour to it that's unique to you, that's unique to me. And that's part of the mystery. 
and it's part of the beauty. And I love that actually because it makes it yours and it is harmonious with that idea that even in the absolute oneness of things in a universal sense, we are our own beautiful facet of that diamond. And I I like feeling like I have my own individuality to add to that, even though it's part of the oneness. So thoughts (laughs) and well wishes for you today. We are in the sap moon now, which is really nice. It's that gentle warming. I'd like to share just one poem with you. We're in the waxing phase already. And the uh, full moon will be on March 7th. So that's right around the corner. But I just wanted to share this sort of seasonal note here. The March moon or sap moon is upon us. Life is stirring in the memory of the wood, the sweet vein, the bulb, the heart. We journey with this final moon of winter, the seeds of awakening gently pushing at their known edges. It is occasion to ponder the state of our proverbial soil. What has the winter stillness allowed to deepen, to rest? Is the soil of our creative life nutrient-rich? Has the organic matter matured into the stuff of good beginnings? What do we genuinely need now to prepare for the coming light and warmth, the sunshine? Are we feeling anxious, hopeful, afraid of repeating old patterns, ready? Welcome the answer, whatever it is. Maybe there's something to be done, maybe not. Tend to the conversation by listening. In the ways of the circle, the return, the second chance, we ultimately accept it is never too late to begin again. I should throw out another realization I had just actually last night. This was sort of a shadow piece that popped up and made itself known, and I was so deeply, deeply grateful. And that is, you know, over a decade ago, I went through a divorce, and that was really hard. If anybody's ever gone through a divorce, I know that you know that. And with time, you're like, yes, but I'm this version of myself now, and it's certainly blessed me and all the rest of it. All of that's very true. And... Paradoxically, you can love all moments in your life and appreciate the journey and appreciate the people and, you know, appreciate everybody's path and and honor it. You know, that's work I've done and that's work that feels resonant to me. But also at my particular moment over a decade ago, I felt as though I needed to honor an awakening that was happening within me and that ended up, quote-unquote, costing me that marriage. And in a way that was true, 
because I had my skill set at the time, which isn't as developed as the skill set I have now. And I certainly was not a perfect partner, anything, you know, so just huge compassion about any of the events of that time. You know, that's not, that's not where I'm heading here. What I am saying is that I think very unconsciously, because I'm at another precipice right now where I'm leaning into a whole new thought system, a whole new way of being, a whole new revelation and experience of myself in even greater authenticity than I've lived the last 10 years or so. I think there's a deep, egoic-based, ego-based fear that, okay, Lori, every time you lean into this new spiritual thing that you tend to do, you know, it costs us mightily. It hurts a lot. So do you really want to do that? And I just realized that I might be throwing some sand in the gears and some blocks in the way unconsciously as I move into the variant space and work with it more effortlessly and more intentionally, that that shadow piece there of, oh, the next wave of awakening that that's really pivotal in your life, that's going to cost you, that's going to hurt, that's going to hurt. Yeah, it gets better eventually. It takes 10 years, though, but it really hurts like a son of a bitch in the moment. So I just think it was really important to bring that into my awareness because I am just telling myself, it's okay this time. It's all right. In fact, all the good stuff <laughs> is here. All the good stuff is here right now. The love, the affection, the resources, the sense of joy and purpose about your work, your good relationships, that's all here. It's not going to cost anything. The only cost is staying in the old space where we get lost in the dream. So if that applies to you in any way, if spiritual advancement, if you will, um, or spiritual growth has quote-unquote cost you before, cost relationships and cost pain, that doesn't necessarily have to be the way it is now. And, you know, when we think of our affectionate groups of people, our plank-on-head, really dense, dense humanity phases, our certified life coach phases, where we're playing, you know, more delightful roles on the stage, but they still are roles on the stage. And then this I am space where you're like, oh, I'm the director and I get to go home to my great life every night. It's really sort of characteristic of the life coach space of maturation and development that that moving through awareness does sometimes cost us. But in the I am space, there is no cost anymore. I really feel that there is no hit to take anymore. The only hit is staying in a way of perceiving yourself 
that you've outgrown. That's the only hit to take would be just lingering there. And I realize, you know, we sort of create suffering until we know we don't need to anymore. But I just want to encourage all of us that leaning into the I am space costs us nothing. In fact, it brings us home. It's the prodigal return. It's the celebration now. We're to that space now. The only wonky part is catching yourself and allowing yourself to relax again and experience the wonder that is really you, that is in the mirror coming right back at you. So with that, let's dive in. We left off last time ready for number 43, which is called visualizing the process. And I know that we've talked about this in the past, that not only your lovely vision for yourself living from that space, not just as a screen. You know, we, we, we often talk about seeing what we want, like on a screen of a movie, because it helps us sort of bring it close. But in your day-to-day, as much as possible, and in your meditation or in your peaceful moments, live from that space as much as possible. And, and do it as a fun thing. Because I know my egos like to come in the back door and it's like, oh, you're not visualizing enough today. You better visualize, you better visualize. (laughs) And, you know, it's like this, you know, drill sergeant and putting doubt in there like, oh, you're not doing this enough. Do it just as a fun thing to enjoy being in that space, to enjoy those images. And as much as possible, just suspend the disbelief and just, you know, like, Go for your walk, cook your meal, take your bath, do your chores, do your work, have your conversations as though it's all here, it's all arrived. You know, just play with that. I think the key is to be really light with that and enjoy it. And this visualizing the process, he talks about, Vadim Zeeland talks about, it's really essential that you also bake into the process. We've talked about this, how it's materializing for you. So again, don't layer in, this is going to take a long time. It's going to be really turbulent, et cetera, et cetera. He says how essential it is to tell yourself what a great job you're doing with the transurfing. It's like, tell yourself that, like, I'm getting really good at this. I'm catching myself like never before, whatever phrase, like you can't lavish enough praise on yourself. He says that's so important. Yes, remember your slides, you know, those beautiful filters of actually what your life in its authenticity is lining up with in the variant space. Take your pivots to the positive, to the positive, to the positive, But the process of every day, know that everything is getting easier and better and tell yourself that I'm getting good at this. I'm getting really skillful at this and say it in the affirmative. And here's a beautiful quote from this one. Your personal world will rush forward at lightning speed. So layer that in to the process that you're doing a fantastic job. Here's another quote. 
create and marvel at the same time. I really like that. Continue to imagine your project, your relationships, etc., taking shape and taking form, including your body. You know, if you're wanting a certain health or fitness goal, just keep telling yourself every day, I'm feeling firmer, I'm feeling lighter, I'm feeling more limber, I'm feeling um, like my stamina is excellent, that my heart is strong. You know, tell yourself this, walk yourself through this. He says, I love this, call yourself a genius. Like, (laughs) why not? (laughs) I mean, it's only going to attract more beauty and wisdom from the variant space because it's like, oh, genius. I better better reflect some genius ideas here. And in fact, I've been experiencing that with my own business. Um, I am partnering with, let me back up just a bit. I, I want to automate a lot of the order flow that I presently have in motion right now. And I've just reached out to the divine for wisdom regarding that. And I've been very selective with my online store about partnering with artist-centered products and as earth conscious as possible and as unique as possible. And, you know, that sort of thing. I've mentioned that before, but I, I've been able to find a few more partnerships that will be win-win scenarios. And those are going to be evident this month. If you follow along with my newsletter, do that. Um, It's a really delightful, beautiful, creative, joyful, soulful, seasonal space. Um, So that's my heart and my joy, but I'm automating it better and I'm connecting with folks and that unfolding is really fun because I, as I lean into that and ask for help, then I see myself more fully as a really fantastic brand in terms of the business e-commerce side of what I do. And it's just... It's just a feedback loop that's really unique and surprising and delightful to to use transurfing in that way because I felt that there was guidance that I hadn't tapped into yet. So I surrendered into that and I'm receiving it and I don't always know what I'm doing rationally, but then suddenly things are clicking and I'm, I've found a new lead or I've found another resource or whatever. And, but what's happening too is as I'm doing that, I'm seeing my brand. I'm seeing what I'm offering as fantastic, as richly solvent, as abundant, as reaching out to every single person that comes into contact with anything that I do my intention is that even if they're just buying something to put in their kitchen for spring, that somehow their soul and their imagination feels more alive. That's my intention. That's my underlying intention for all that I'm doing, whether it's the podcast or something I'm offering on my store, etc. It's my intention when I just meet people. You know, I I want that to be what I'm about. 
but it also extends to my business. So it's really beautiful to see how that mirrors back and how it sort of elevates. Yeah, you're you know calling yourself a genius here. Like, yeah, your business is freaking awesome. Your business is awesome. I'm like, yeah, my business is awesome. And then, you know, just this feedback loop going back and forth, back and forth. It's really, it's really a joy to see. And I know when I imagine my husband as happy and delightful and and doing his thing, um, I get more of that in my experience of him. My children, et cetera, et cetera. It goes the list goes on. My pets happy and and healthy and not driving everybody crazy. (laughs) You may have noticed I tucked my cat in the other room because he was chiming in on the podcast. You may have heard that. Um, So anyway, this feedback loop that is the mirror, you know, Marianne Williamson said a long time ago in regard to the, the work of The Course in Miracles, which is very tangential to this, to this work. But you know, she said in a lecture regarding that once, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And I feel that way about transurfing because like the mirror, when <laughs> when you realize, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, put that out there. That's why I'm getting that back. Um, so, you know, there's that rude awakening of, yep, I've created every single layer of what I'm experiencing here. It's a little, you know, shitty at first to sort of take responsibility for that, but then it starts to get fun because the new feedback loops are very exciting. Number 44, slides. Here we say again, live from. Take pleasure in in your pictures, but as much as possible, you know, add fun details to them. When you think about the vacation you're going to go on, add some fun details. As much as possible, though, live from that feeling, from it. So yes, see it, but also live from it in in your personhood, in your head, in your heart, in your feeling sense. And this is an amazing thing, too. If, if you're wanting to bring something into your variant space, resonance, because you would like to experience it and it's vague and you can't quite bring something in, you know that it's an idea or a concept or, you know, a trip or uh, a relationship, what have you, that you would like to experience, but you can't quite get the details yet. It's hard to sort of even imagine it on a screen, let alone live from that space. Just do what you can. And in my experience, and Vadim Zeeland repeats this idea here in number 44, it will sharpen. Like you might just have a vague sense of something for a few days, work with it as best you can, and then something will shift relatively quickly in my experience. And like in three or four days, you'll be able to bring a bit more of that into view. And again, we don't have to know how the variant space works. We just have to know that it does. And it sharpens. It becomes more tangible. And then you bring it into the beautiful slide as a fun project to enjoy. Again, not not something to be a drill sergeant over, but just enjoy your slides. Enjoy putting on the 
sunglasses or the rose-colored glasses of your real life anytime in the day and as much as you can live from that feeling. But if it's a little vague, that's okay. Just work with it. And it's so sort of mystical how something vague for a few days will sharpen. I would definitely say that's happened with my e-commerce business in the last two weeks. You know, there were certain things that seemed kind of vague. I'm like, I think I need to go in this direction, but I don't even know quite what that looks like. And then suddenly it's sharpened and I'm like, oh, here we go. Here it is. And then that builds on itself and then that builds on itself. So it's fine. Just, just keep working with it. It sharpens. Number 45, path to your goal. Again, this can't be emphasized enough. And I love it. Here's the path to your goal. Drop the importance of your goal. Okay. So once again, just immediately turning everything on its head in a 180. That is so essential. Drop the importance of it. It seems like a contradiction, but here's how I'm going to flesh that out for you as he fleshes it out in the text. You don't want a longing for something because that sort of implies you don't have it. You want to exchange any sort of longing and pining sense of something for that quiet resolve to have it, that quiet intention to have it. So that's the sweet spot, that it's not about trying too hard and it's not about fear. It's about this mature, masculine, divine energy of moving forward in this silent partnership with the quantum space. And if that's your silent partner, you have won. And the masculine outgoing energy of your mind is like, this is my silent partner. I can't go wrong. The feminine is what's holding the vision. The feminine is what is creating this simply from her beingness. The masculine is that discipline of the mind that is saying, hey, I'm in silent partnership with the quantum field. There is no better partner. It's all achieved. And if I am inspired to take action, it's going to feel light, energetic, inspired, and like a no-brainer. It's not going to feel laborious. It's not going to feel tinged with grasping or longing or fear or lack. So this is the path to the goal. That's dropping the importance. So paradoxically, you're crystal clear on the goal and you release its importance because it's a matter of it already belonging to you. It's a matter of intending to have it. And, and let me give you a really great example of something that happened last night. So I'd spent yesterday afternoon prepping for today. And so I had all this great energy and material in my head. And I was going to go out for a walk last night, bright at dusk. And it was so lovely out and the air was so sweet. And it was, you know, you I didn't need a jacket. And it was cool and just really nice. And I was so feeling the reality. I was I was in the living from 
space in my whole being about all the beautiful things that I'm creating an external experience of. But I was I was able to be in that space as I set out for this walk. And I was just totally enjoying the walk. And I was just feeling alive and pulsing, quite literally pulsing with every breath and every heartbeat. I was living the thing I'm giving birth to, which is myself, but also has all these really delightful details, you know, in the external space. So I was doing that, you know, I was in that space and I was vaguely aware of this really beautiful black car that drove right past me. And I noticed it, it felt very luxurious. It felt very uh, elegant, but I was so enjoying my own reality that, you know, I acknowledged it, but I think I even waved, but I just kept walking. And then my neighbor was walking toward me with her dog and she, she kind of, you know, hopped over into my view to get my attention. And she said, did you see that car? And I'm like, well, well, yeah, I guess I did. You know, I said, it seemed really nice. She goes, that was a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. And, and I didn't realize, but that right after I waved at the Rolls Royce, it stopped and it pivoted and it turned around and it came right back by me. And I didn't even see all that because I was so happy in my own sort of variant space that I was occupying when when I was walking. And my neighbor, who is just a sweetheart, she was like, that car was stalking you, you know, like in a fun way. You know, it was it was it was totally about spinning around and going after you. And I just had to smile for the rest of my walk because I'm like, that's the sweet spot right there. I was so enjoying just the vibe of what was revealing itself from my heart that, you know, it, nothing, nothing was going to burst that beautiful bubble that I was in. And that's what attracted a Rolls Royce to pivot and just turn right around and start moving my direction. And a Rolls Royce doesn't happen to be in my particular wish list. But it was just this beautiful sign that that's where the power was, is I was so alive in my own feeling space right then that it was a magnet for luxury. And my neighbor sort of almost had to flag me down to tell me what had just happened because I was already so freaking happy. You know, I was already in joy. So that's what he's talking about here. You already have it. And the mature energy, I love this, the mature energy knows that it is already accomplished. When we're immature with this skill set, we have the doubt. And I like thinking of it that way. Like, I'm getting good at this. I'm becoming mature with this. Yeah, we all want to be mature, right? In terms of our wisdom, We want to be youthful in spirit and in body and mature in wisdom. You know, that's a lovely combination. The how lane is not our lane. The how that this gets done is not our lane. And the mature transurfer 
the skilled one knows that and is fine with that and can release that. Let me read just from the interpretation section of this one on Path to Your Goal. Here is Vadim Zeeland. If you think your goal is unachievable, you will spoil the whole thing with doubt and heavy thoughts about your own potential failure. So how do you believe in the impossible enough for it to become possible? You don't. There is no way that you can persuade, convince, or force yourself to believe. Put these petty worries to one side and get down to it. Run the goal slide in your thoughts and do not forget to put one foot in front of the other as you move towards your goal. Don't worry that for now your goal is hidden from view somewhere beyond the clouds. Of course it is difficult for you to imagine how it could be yours, but that is not for you to worry about. All you have to do is make your order, leave the rest to the waiter. When the mind sees the doors opening, your doubts will dissolve. Many people who have achieved astounding success confess that they would never have believed themselves capable of it. And yet there they are. So I like the fact that he's like, you're not going to be free of the doubt, but you acknowledge it and you set it aside. So the mature approach to this is that quiet decision that we've talked about. So that's coming into play again today with these principles. You're going to work that that muscle of the quiet decision like, yep, I know, and there that is, and I'm setting the doubt over here, and I move forward, and I move forward, and I'm steady as best I can. Number 46, doors. I love this one. Your door meaning as the process reveals itself to you, and if there's action for you to take that will harmonize with what you're bringing into view in the mirror space, your door is going to feel light and inspired. You may have to focus, like we're talking about here with all these principles, but it's not going to feel heavy. If it is, if it's causing a lot of consternation, it's not your door. And it's probably, you know, a 3D world door that came to me in the last week. I I had contemplated a business loan, you know, without going into all the details. And I reached out and had a, a conversation about that with somebody. And anyway, after I got home that night, there was just this quiet, persistent, loving really loving voice that said, what you're about now is not doing things in the conventional way. And the money you're wanting for this aspect of your business, for this next phase that you're moving into, is not going to be from a conventional source. So just let that go. And that felt so right to do that. It wasn't about nailing down an interest rate and and terms and collateral and things like that. It wasn't about that, but I didn't know that until I had leaned into that and then it didn't feel right. And then I got home that night and it was like, that's very much the old way of doing things. Now, does that mean that you may not, you know, sign a contract at some point because you're a transurfing person? No, you may. But it's going to feel light and easy. And I just know that what 
the meeting I had did not feel that way. And it was like, this isn't that this isn't your answer. But I, I had to have the meeting to realize that that wasn't my answer. And I don't know where that answer is as I say this right behind the mic right now, but I know it's quickly finding me and it's going to feel light and easy. And maybe I will sign a contract. Maybe I will receive a grant. I don't know what it is, but it's a different feeling altogether. And it's like, you know, your door is going to feel like basically it's opening itself. So, so trust that. And, and here's a great quote, very similar to what I was saying about um, the, the business loan that I pivoted on. People often stop doing what they love for financial reasons. Their activities are divided into hobbies and the real work, which gives them an income. In reality, you can earn money from a hobby if that is your goal. In this world, everything that is done with soul is very expensive. Yet the false stereotype of forced necessity prevents people from completely devoting themselves to their goal. They will slog their guts out for some other geezer for most of their life because it is supposedly what they have to do to exist. The soul gets a few crumbs left over after the main working day. So for whom does a person live for some old geezer? So I love how that brings that into sharp focus. No, I'm going to lean in to this other, this other way of doing things. Number 47, codependent relationships. I'm reading straight from the text here because this is so powerful. If you think that the world is against you, think. To what object or item do you attach excessively important significance? If you attract everything you hate, if you are haunted by everything that irritates you, and if everything that is most undesirable happens to you after all, then it is because you are gripping the world by the throat and it is resisting trying to break free. The more you insist on your own desires and claims, the stronger the magnet that attracts the opposite. Relax your grip. Let the world do whatever it likes. Give yourself permission to be yourself and allow others to be different. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Don't get too attached to anything except things with grace and let them go with grace. Reading on into more of the interpretation. When any quality is attributed excessive importance, excessive potential is created, which distorts the surrounding energetic environment. Excess potential is not necessarily a problem as long as the distorted evaluation exists relative only to itself. As soon as the artificially inflated value of one object is positioned in comparative relationship to another, polarization arises which functions as a magnet for trouble. So I really like that because, all right, having the intention for your business, let's say, since I'm in that vein, to generate a certain net income per day, per week, per month. That's fine. That's fine. And to feel it thriving and feel it blossoming and all the rest of it, that's great. That's fine. Having too much importance would then be linking that to an idea of like, because if I don't, I'm a failure in business and then I'm X, Y, Z and one, two, three. Do you see how you... If you link that, 
up to something, then then you create a vacuum for the opposite to push against what your intention is. So it's it's okay to think, yeah, this is important. I really enjoy the idea of bringing this to into my experience. Um, but you watch the excessive potential by linking it to ideas of worth or, you know, value or your ability to take care of yourself. You know, all of those sorts of ideas are then what create that boomerang of resistance. So I think that's really helpful. Number 48, the search for love. He's very clear on this. Love will find you. Don't search for it. And there's a principle called frailing. And it's not talked about a lot in the book about the 78 principles. And in fact, there are several principles that deserve more attention that are from the broader text that we will take time for in the future because they're fascinating, they're super helpful. And frailing is kind of an odd word, but basically it's kind of what we talked about last time about getting underneath people in a conversation when you're figuring out what their goal or desire is and seeing if you can be helpful to that, not in a way of manipulation, but just in having pendulums or energy flow moving in in like rivers in the same direction. And so he talks about this idea of if you don't have a partner and you would really like a partner, don't put a specific face on that partner, but just enjoy in your in your experiential space living from that, you know, enjoying a partner, doing things, what restaurant you're going to go to, how you're, how you treat each other, how you spend holidays, how you create a life together, etc. Enjoy that feeling, enjoy those scenarios without putting a particular face because the variant space is going to deliver something amazing. Okay. And that's beautiful. And he said, if there is a similar idea where you are working with somebody who has a face um, that's already in your life, then the frailing principle about getting underneath and honoring what they're about is would be the ethical way to do that. So, for example, you know, like I have a husband who already has <laughs> a declared person, right? So, so in, in dealing with my husband, it's, it's helpful to get underneath and just be dwelling in that worth space for myself, honoring his worth, or if there's conflict, just opening from the heart to what is this person trying to achieve right now? What is important to this person? And I don't have to know or be the person or be the rational solution to that, but just honoring that flow of energy, that flow of space between us brings harmony and brings that solution that's a win-win for everybody into view. So I find that really helpful. Um, It's not about pleasing or manipulating, but instead, quote, 
how much value can I, instead of thinking, for example, how much money can I make, think how much value can I bring into this situation right now? That's an example of this principle where you're getting underneath and and seeing what service you're providing, which again, I, I relate back to my own business. I'm like, well, what am I really about here? Underneath, whether somebody purchases something from me or not, it's fantastic that they will. I want that. I I welcome that. But regardless, whether they buy something from me or not, whether they listen to my podcast or not, I want them to feel heightened sense of soul and imagination having crossed my path. Because for me, soul and imagination are where it's all at. And I want to I want that not only to be quote unquote part of my brand, but my authenticity flowing through everything that I do. Okay. Number 49, extinguishing a pendulum. Now you're not going to court trouble. You know, like we've said, we we have to bake into the process that it's going to be great, that we're doing better each day, that every day our skill set is is greatly advancing. Having said that, be prepared for pendulums to provoke you, especially when you are moving into that place of maturation with this skill set. Just, you know, like don't take it personally if if a pendulum really wants to provoke you and like almost just say, yep, right on time. Right. That's of course, it's it's trying to. And and I'm hip to this. I'm aware Offer an abnormal response. I love that. Actually, that can be kind of fun. If you don't know what to do, you know, start saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know. Just do something silly just to like wake yourself up and not go into the zombie effect of, oh my God, and this is triggering me and these are all my issues and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's so boring. He says, smash the script. Let me read straight from the text here. And try substitution. Replace fear with confidence, despondency with enthusiasm, indignation with indifference, and irritation with joy. The essence of the pendulum game is to pull you off balance. You have to break the rules of the game intentionally. Do whatever you like, just as long as it is not what people expect, and then victory will be yours. And I have to say, the other day, I had an example where a pendulum, you know, popped into view, and I almost felt my body shaking. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, I was still awake, but I wanted to pounce so bad. I can't even tell you. Every fiber of my being wanted to pounce on this individual. And I didn't because I was like, I'm awake in the dream. I'm awake in the dream. This isn't real. This isn't real. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like having to like I was holding on by my fingernails and I felt like there was almost like a shaking in my body. (laughs) It really wasn't that important. But I think in the moment it was like, are you really doing this transurfing? Are you going to do you know, are you doing the pendulum thing? And it it was representative of more than just that instance. And I I hung on and I'm like, this is not right. And I remember walking out of the door 
and pulling it behind me. I didn't slam it. <laughs> I've done a lot of that in the past, but I did not slam it. And I kept going. And that situation very quickly resolved itself. But oh man, the temptation was there to go down that rabbit hole and it would have just tanked the rest of the day. Like I knew that <laughs> and I still wanted to pounce. So we get wise to ourselves and thank God. And I was really, really proud of myself. And so now I'm giving myself more credit, like good job, you know, way to go. You just like catapulted ahead here and we are about that this week, aren't we? More, more props to what we're doing. Number 50, the pendulum flop. Here's a great technique. We've we've alluded to this in the past. Um, there's some repetition here, but it just drives the point home. You know, if something pops up, one way of allowing and witnessing whilst staying awake is to say this has the right to exist. In other words, you're just saying, here's a variant space. Okay, that has the right to exist. This is one option among infinite options. It, it has the right to exist. It's not my personal one. It's not my reality. But I don't have to feed this. If I feed my resistance to this, it will hang around longer. So you agree with a pendulum when it shows up. Agree in that, hey, this has the right to exist and then wave goodbye. I like that. When the pendulum has no way of hooking you, it disappears into the void. I love that. So, you know, they can be very triggering, but we are much stronger. This perspective is much stronger, and it can actually be fun um, and funny, you know, <laughs> whatever you have to do to get out of the space um, to wake yourself up, do something unexpected, you know, sing, dance, <laughs> um, I don't know, go run around your house three times, but but stay awake. And then the pendulums have to sort of peter out and, and go back into the void. Number 51, incomprehensible infinity. Basically, this is saying we're not going to understand how the variant space works. And the mystery is the mystery. Mystery with a capital M. That's just the way it is. You know, maybe after we die, maybe we understand a little bit more. I don't know. But I'm okay with that. I I like feeling like the mystery is loving and protective. And that, you know, I don't I don't need to understand how all this works. I just know that it does. And we're all living proof that this mirror interface is exactly what is happening. And it's just like he says, like driving a car or flying an airplane without having to understand how all the gears and mechanisms go together. The void, um, the way endless possibilities are generated. We don't have to understand all that. We can't. And, and I will say that as I work with these principles, there are times where I continually entertain thoughts of infinity in ways that I, I used to not even be aware of in my thinking. So let me say that another way. I just at times 
you know, like maybe on a walk and seeing little buds coming out or, you know, birds or whatever. I just, sometimes I'll slip into like a state where I'm like, this world right here, just on my walk is actually so infinite. And thoughts of infinity or thoughts of eternity are traveling with me more, I guess, in in a very sweet way, not in an overwhelming way. Um, and I just think that's par for the course as we're more part of consciously participating with the mystery. The mystery is us. The mystery is loving. The mystery is all powerful. It's going to be part of our default thinking more often as well. And I, you know, I'm actually glad I don't have to understand the mechanics of all that, even though I do find it fascinating. I do find it fascinating. Whatever we're discovering in our 3D world about quantum physics and all the rest of it, I just find it so fascinating. But thank God we don't have to actually know how all that works to experience a deep and beautiful relationship with it. Number 52, gatekeeper to eternity. I am reading both of these straight from the text. This is so powerful. The variant space contains everything and everything that you desire with your heart and mind is yours. You should know, however, that at the threshold of eternity, there stands a gatekeeper, an absolute law which guards access to everything beyond. The unremitting guardian only admits those who have the audacity to exercise the right of the master. Your pass is the verdict. I am capable and worthy because I have decided it is so. I don't want and I don't hope. I intend. Claim this right and the gatekeeper will throw open the gates to eternity. I'll read more here, but that's just so, such an echo of that silent decision, that quiet decision. It's not because you've earned it, because everybody has equal access to it, but we're at different moments of realizing that we can just claim this just because it's time. Just because it's time. And you have the audacity knowing everybody else has equal access to it. You're not trampling on anybody's dreams, but you're claiming yours and you're not apologizing for it anymore and you're not working for it anymore and you're not trying to justify why you take up space. You're just doing it. You're just claiming it. I'm continuing on in the text here. What makes a showbiz star different to the girl next door a luminary of science different to the timid student and the chosen ones different from the rank and file? The answer is one single step. There are those who have been bold enough to claim their right, and there are others who are still procrastinating and do not believe that they are capable or worthy. The firm conviction holds in the minds of the timid that the chosen ones exist because all the rest have chosen them on account of their having some exceptionally outstanding quality. In reality, this is a false stereotype. Here we go. The chosen ones choose themselves. The chosen ones 
choose themselves. It is only after taking this step and because of it that others notice. Claim the right to be a chosen one. Say to yourself, from this moment on, I choose myself. It is not that you have the right because you are worthy and capable. You have it, the right, as a matter of course. The variant space contains everything, including something that is intended for you personally. Your verdict that you have this right. This is your pass to eternity. It sanctions the privilege to create your own reality. Like, that just like makes me want to cry. <laughs> so I must be in that moment. Number 53, shaping your own destiny. I'm reading straight from the text. When a person takes control into their own hands, their life is no longer dependent on circumstances. The little ship of life can be steered in any direction away from the fate that is allegedly predetermined for you. It is all very simple. Life is like a river. If you row the boat yourself, you can choose which direction in which you want to travel. If you simply give yourself up to the current, you will have no choice but to float in the direction the current carries you. If you want karma, you will have karma. When you think that your fate depends on some set of unforgiving circumstances or the mistakes of past lives, you bring that corresponding variant of your potential future into physical reality. The will is yours, for you are the child of God. If you want to be a master, then this too is in your power. The dual mirror will agree to anything. Suppose someone sets a goal which, from a normal point of view, seems difficult to achieve or totally impossible. The person strives towards their goal with all their heart, but the skeptical mind drops it and keeps asking the same old question, but how? And according with the principles of transurfing, at a stage when the means of achieving a goal are not yet clear, one has to take the unconventional step of forgetting about the means and concentrating on the end goal as if it were already achieved. When you roll the goal slide in your mind, the layer of your personal world shifts in the variant space to the sector in which the goal is already realized. The shift is subtle but real. Your mind can doubt as much as it wants. All that matters is that it diligently runs the mental picture of your goal slide it is like being on a nighttime flight. You can barely tell that the plane is moving, but the engine is working, so you know it must be moving. In the same way, the mind runs the visualization of your goal, the engine, while outside the lifting force, outer intention pulls the layer of your world, the airplane, towards its destination. The boat wheel of intention is in your hands. Everything will turn out the way you want it to. Number 54, he talks about spiritual laziness. And this one's actually really fun. Um, we, I had a fun example of this in the past week. But basically what he's talking about is like fortune tellers, um, you know, horoscopes, that sort of thing. Now, I want to I wanna say something very clearly here. There are all kinds of beautiful guidance systems that really help with the imagery and the image work that can be used in a certain way that's constructive to helping you. 
Um, for example, like I have always loved tarot, but I've never used it to quote unquote fortune tell. I like that it tells the story of the human condition. And so it depends on how you use a, a tool like that. For example, if I'm drawing a card for myself and say, what pendulum is really trying to hook me here? And I get a little guidance on that. That, in my estimation, is a very fruitful use of a guidance system. You know, same with, you know, astrology or any of the rest of it. There's very useful, intelligent, wise ways to be harmonious with those systems, just like nature and, you know, all kinds of ways that the material world speaks to us and our intuition can speak to us. But it's all about how you're approaching it because there are a lot of charlatans. Let's just be honest about that. And there was this gal that came into my daughter's work about a week, half a week ago, and my daughter um, hosts at a really nice Italian restaurant here. And this gal came in and was just sort of like spewing at the mouth because she could see dead people or get vibes or whatever. And in my estimation, if, if that is your gift, you need to ask people permission, number one, and just not go about, you know, beating everybody over the head with your vibes so, you know, there was a red flag right there, but then I'll get back to that uh, story here in a second. Vadim Zeeland is saying, don't put anybody in charge of your future. Your future is yours. You like nobody, even if somebody has intuitive gifts, they're just seeing all kinds of variant spaces moving around, to be honest. And it's up to you. You know, it's up to you and your gatekeeper. Like they might be able to say, potentially, if you're unclear, if somebody's ethical, say, well, I see these possibilities are seeming like they're being attracted to you right now. You know, is your thinking negative about these things? Something like that could be helpful. But just have somebody, you know, like doing the living seance at, your, at the Italian restaurant was not helpful. But what I found so funny was my daughter called me right while this was happening. She's like, this lady is here and mom, she keeps talking about you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and apparently this, this woman took Jordy's hand and she said, your mother is really dangerous. <laughs> and she's like, her view of spirituality is really dangerous. And I am just here to say, for my precious community out there who listens to this podcast, I, I'm going to take it as a positive because it is threatening to the ego. And bless this woman, whoever she is and her journey, this is not a judgment, but there will be a time where maybe her identity isn't as involved in being a spiritualist or whatever. And it is what we're doing is really um, dangerous to the egoic structure. It doesn't mean we're annihilating our egos, but it is It is not about the old structure at all, is it? So I just had to laugh. And so here's this principle this week about you are the master of your fate, you alone. You know, getting guidance here and there can sometimes be helpful, but again, you have to be super clear how you use those tools and um, 
maybe there are, you know, helpful points along the way. Like, for example, the one I gave, what pendulum am I not seeing here? What is it relating to? Or the one I offered up earlier in today's podcast um, about being becoming aware that there was a part of me that was equating spiritual growth with taking a massive hit. And that I had a card that actually helped me see that. So because I do like the dark night of the soul and then, you know, it just helped me with that image. And I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what I'm doing. So again, a skillful use of tools dipping in here and there. But that's way different than just, you know, like surrendering your whole life to somebody's interpretation. Number 55, the master's mindset, turn everything into a positive. Prepare yourself for a magnificent cascade of pleasing events. That's a direct quote. Prepare yourself for a magnificent cascade of pleasing events. That's so beautiful. We claim the master's mindset, that mature understanding, that mature skill set. We're moving past novice, okay? Partly because we have the audacity to say that we are. Number 56, dissatisfaction with the world. Quote, if you really want to improve your life, replace reactive negativity with a positive dominant. For example, my world always chooses the best for me. I go with the variance flow and the world meets me halfway. I create the layer of my world with my own intention. My world protects me. My world guards me against problems. My world makes sure that my life is easy and comfortable. I place an order and my world delivers it. I may not know how to take care of myself, but my world does. My intention is manifesting in physical reality. Everything is leading towards it and everything is as it should be. Remember, either you control reality or reality controls you. So if you're over the age of 50, you have more life experience and you're going to need to make a conscious choice that all that experience is not going to derail you. Or let's say you've had a really intense 20s and 30s. Maybe you've had a lifetime of experience that hasn't been fun within that short amount of time. But often the more experience we have, the mind is going to really kick in and say, I've got the path through this and it's going to want to throw down, but it's only going to give you more of the past because that's all the framework it has. So we have to be really keen on, on throwing that argument off and not being seduced by that. So allow age and experience and wisdom to make you more supple, to make you more pliable, to make you more like the parkour. Remember, we talked about that last time, that physical genius moving physically and psychologically through your world. Number 57, inferiority. This is really important. When a person begins to realize that they don't fit conventional standards, they begin to feel inadequate. But in comparison to whom? 
ask yourself, do you want to be like everyone else or do you want to be yourself? You won't succeed in being yourself if you try to hide your shortcomings. You will start to feel like you are being yourself if you focus on developing your finer qualities. Any inferiority you feel will be balanced out by your inherent merits. Charm can compensate for a lack of beauty. Self-confidence can compensate for physical defects. The ability to listen can replace the inability to speak freely. He goes on with more examples. But basically, here is a strategy right now. So you're going to focus on your vision. You're going to do your discipline, your mental disciplines. But in keeping importance in check, you know, like, for example, let's say your bank account isn't particularly fat at the moment. Fine. Acknowledge that. Let that be. Don't link it to an idea that then you're a worthless human being or that you're not responsible. Transserving is the most responsible thing I think anybody on earth could ever do. So we're we're switching that mindset. But you step forward into your strengths. That is also a strategy. So not as a term, as a way of, of flexing your work ethic or trying to earn this, but you just lean into your strengths a bit. And maybe if design, you know, like in my case, I just, I lose track of time when I'm doing design work for my e-commerce store. I love that so much. I would do it for free, but it's, it's, it's one of my strengths. And I didn't know it was a strength till I started doing it. My soul led me there. I love it so much. And so lean into your strength and just let the bank account be the bank account. And, and what you're doing when you're leaning into your strengths is you're feeling the feeling of your life firing on all cylinders. So that is a great strategy, not about work ethic, not about earning but about experiencing something that you are naturally good at. And if that is sitting on the couch and drinking a cup of coffee with great joy, that's fine too. You know, like we don't have to like (laughs) be so hard on ourselves. Honor yourself. Give yourself credit. And this just flows beautifully into a little bit here. I'll read from number 58, self-sufficiency. Here's a new way to define that. We know what old school is, self-sufficient, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work for somebody else's pension or pendulum and get a pension and, you know, pay your taxes. And, you know, like that is the old model of self-sufficiency. Let's have a new vision of what that is. The fact remains that you have colossal potential, even if you cannot see it. You are capable of doing anything. It is just that no one has told you that yet. Accept as a fundamental truth the fact that your soul can do anything and then give yourself permission to make the most of it. Stop looking for truth in sources outside yourself. Take a good look inside and there you will find the answers to all your questions. Looking inside is not an abstraction. Simply ask yourself a question and dare to answer it yourself. By connecting to the corresponding sector in the variant space, you are quite capable of making a discovery, building something new, or creating a masterpiece. Stop looking at established authorities. They turned to the same source in their own time. Now it is your turn. And then he goes on to say, you know, like if you're really inspired by somebody 
worth being inspired by, you know, that's done something massively genius or creative or what have you, they did this too. Likely they, you know, they may not have called it transurfing, but they aligned with something visionary. And as inspirational as that can be, and, you know, we all enjoy reading a book or or seeing a film or whatever for that momentary boost. But it's your turn. So you just dive into the same ocean that they did so that you can experience your own flavor of that. Nothing, nothing is as inspirational as you experiencing you on fire yourself. Nothing, nothing that arrives in the external space will be as glorious as that. And that's the sweet spot. It's knowing that the mystery itself alive in you is the ultimate, is the absolute feeling of anything. And then declaring that in addition to that, thank you very much, I will also enjoy all these beautiful realizations that are reflections of me. Number 59, decision-making. This is very simple. Your mind, your rational, logical mind is probably going to want to jump in, catalog all the 3D war wounds of your life and give you advice. You have to be able to set that aside and check in with your soul, which would be your heart, and just say, does this resonate? And if it's like, no, (laughs) then you have to have the courage to set that advice aside until the mind and the heart are in harmony, until the mind and the heart are in harmony, because that collapses arrival time of the variant space. It's instant. It's instant. So have the courage to drop in. And if, if, the, if the soul is like, no, no, this is not it, then just have the courage to wait a bit. And ask of your interiority, of the variant space, I need to make a decision. What does it look like? How do I stay in alignment here? If you don't know, wait. Have the courage to work that muscle. So decision making is an entirely different matter. And lastly, I love, love, love this beautiful passage that we'll end on today called the rustle of the morning stars. It's, a, it's another way of talking about the soul. When you are faced with a problem and don't know exactly what the solution is, trust your intuition. If you rely on premonitions, you are bound to make mistakes, but you will make infinitely more mistakes by only heeding the voice of reason. When you have to make a decision, no one knows what to do better than your soul. It can often be very difficult to understand what exactly your soul is trying to tell you, but you can tell unambiguously whether your soul approves of the mind's decision or not. That wave of uneasiness you feel in response to a decision made by the rational mind is a reliable criterion for the truth. The mind thinks with the help of well-established signs, symbols, words, concepts, diagrams, rules, and so on. The soul does not use these categories. She does not think or speak. She feels and she knows. Moreover, the mind is constantly busy with its own chatter. 
It believes that everything can be rationally explained and saved. When the mind slackens off, intuitive feeling and knowledge can break through into consciousness. The mind gets distracted, and in this moment, you sense the feelings and knowledge that are the realm of the soul. This is the rustle of the morning stars, the voice of no words, reflection without thinking, and sound without volume. You understand something, but only vaguely. You do not argue. You feel intuitively. You simply know. The soul has access to the information field and can find the answers to many questions as well as protect you from taking erroneous or even dangerous steps if you just listen to her voice. For example, if you feel a certain uncharacteristic anxiety before boarding a plane, it would be wise not to board the flight. Likewise, when you first meet someone of the opposite sex and you have to persuade yourself that he or she is right for you, it is highly likely that any further relationship will not be lasting. So I love that beautiful metaphor of the rustle of the morning stars. And you know how that is when you wake up and and light is gathering and the stars sort of fade in fade into the growing light. It's that kind of ephemeral feeling, but that guidance system is so on point. And we are not taught in the external world to give that any credence. It's called, oh, just being in your imagination. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's, it's pejorative. It's, It's only for, oh, like a creative industry, again, where you make bank. You know, it's like tied to all that. And we have to be able to have the courage to slough off that cynicism about the imagination, about the soul as primary guidance systems for this whole new way of being, for this whole new way of interfacing with the mirror world. And as somebody who just in my basic Myers-Briggs orientation, I'm an INFJ orientation, you know, like that's really strong in me. And it's a really rare personality type because so much of our world is geared to the external and to sensory. Now, the senses can be a beautiful guide if you're allowing the senses to speak to you of the rustling of the stars, if they are a portal for touching that space, you know, if they're a communion in regards to that, you know, this beautiful sensory sensory experience of that as a portal to the rustling of the stars. But if you are only looking at physical evidence, that is when to disregard the senses because your vision Your reality has all the power, and we we are learning to lean into that mystery. So I love this beautiful imagery of the rustle of the morning stars, and that that, we all have that. It's the great leveler. We all have that, and we can welcome its participation in our lives. So today is Monday the 27th of February. I'm drawing to a close here. I'll give us our homework here in just a second. My son 
is flying in today. He needed a little break from the Wyoming winter and I need to go pick him up soon at the airport. So happy to have him here for two weeks. And I will edit this tomorrow and get it out on the 28th. So thank you for listening and for doing your your part in your own creation and honoring of soul. I think it matters so much. I think in terms of activism that that affects the collective of our world, this is the most important work that we can do. I feel strongly about that. And it's activism, you know, that has such beautiful resonance for your own life. And you doing it without even saying anything is giving other people permission to pick up the scent of that trail and do it for themselves. And anybody has access to this at any moment, even if they're in the really dense tribal thinking or if they're really, you know, seduced by their own um, psychological concepts and they're really stuck into the scholarship or degrees of that. Um, Anybody has the I am space available to them in any moment. It kind of seems like there's a gradual um, evolutionary arc where you sort of work yourself into this I am space, but whatever, I, it can happen in any moment. And it belongs to all of us. And it's the great leveler. And you doing this, me doing this, matters. Not only for us, in a very joyful sense, in a very grounded sense, but it, it matters for those around us. And we don't even have to talk about it. Just it It's just in the vibrational soul space, you know, not to get all woo about that, but, you know, that language is speaking loudly and it's magnetizing events. We know that is true. We know that is true. So, for the weeks ahead, you know, I will I will be back for our last session of this in March. I mean, last session of the series. We'll definitely be spending more time with Transurfing Principles in the future. But really keep these four things in mind. I want you to remember and tell yourself often what an amazing job you're doing and really make that part of your dailiness. Like, I am learning this stuff, and I'm doing a really good job, and every day it's getting better and easier and producing massive results that I'm enjoying and feeling heartened by. I want you to hold the idea of intending at the gatekeeper. Intending. Intending. I just, I love that idea of just having the audacity to intend. So keep that in mind. Keep in mind the chosen ones choose themselves. The chosen ones choose themselves. And lastly, just travel with this beautiful metaphor of the rustling of the morning stars your soul speaking to you, guiding you, creating the most incredible 
life situation for you, but even more than that, just bringing you home to yourself, to the real you, to the real you who has never been harmed, who doesn't have a catalog of war wounds, who has always been there shining and just underneath all these filters of experience. So I'll say those again. You're doing an amazing job. You're intending at the gatekeeper. You're choosing yourself. The chosen ones choose themselves. And you're aware of that rustling of the morning stars. Your soul speaking. So I'll post this tomorrow. Add the music. I'm wishing you a beautiful time with the sap moon and the growing spring wherever you find yourself and whatever season you find yourself in. Thank you for being here. And until next time, take good care. Hi everyone, 
If you're enjoying this podcast, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if my work is nourishing your heart and imagination, consider supporting the Apothecary Podcast. Just follow the links to make a contribution. And for the full scope of my projects and offerings, including my weekly newsletter, visit LoriGreen.net.